Shalom Chavarim, welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We are here to help Christians make sense of the roots of their faith so that they might be able to go out and to be a light to the Jewish people and help them make sense of who Jesus is. Now, my name's Matt, and I'm here with my dad, the Abinator. You want to say hi? Hi. Shalom, folks. I just made that up. You're now the Abinator. Wow. Yeah. So we are starting a series here, and we are calling it the Jewish roots of the early church. And I think a lot of times people forget that, number one, Jesus was Jewish. The disciples were Jewish. The early church in its beginnings leading up to Pentecost, that was, those were a bunch of Jewish people hanging around together. Even even through Pentecost. Through Pentecost and even after. And we're yeah. getting into all of that as we're leading up to Pentecost or what we call Shavuot or also known as the Old Testament Feast of Weeks. And so last time when we met and we talked, we were into this idea of what was the Jewish mindset during the ministry of Jesus. And so we walked through that last time, but today we're taking a little bit different direction. Where are we going now? Well, we're going beyond that. Uh, This is after the crucifixion and the resurrection, and we're going to take a look at the mindset of the Jewish people just following the resurrection, which is very interesting because uh, Jesus, Yeshua, is teaching those new, brand new Jewish believers, followers of him, maybe even not yet believers, but they are coming to that point uh, where he is going to share with them and just unlock all of the scriptures and everything concerning himself so that they have uh, knowledge and they know who he is and who they are. All right. Uh, before we get into that, I'm wondering, uh, I see your face over there. Do you possibly have like a little bit of a Jewish humor, a little back to the cat skills yeah. moment there for us? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, now that you mention it, uh, there's a fellow by the name of Mr. Cohen and he goes to visit his old friend, Mr. Goldstein in his apartment and Cohen knocks on the door and Goldstein yells out, come on in. <laughs> and <laughs> Goldstein is sitting on a stool totally naked except for a top hat. Oh, boy. And Cohen says, Goldstein, are you crazy? You sugar? <laughs> you, you can't just sit there naked. And Goldstein says to him, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, nobody ever comes to visit anyway. He says, well, okay, but why the hat? And Goldstein says, well, just in case somebody might come. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I like that. Yeah. Just a couple of old grumpy men hanging out wearing next to nothing. Lovely. All right. Well, we did that. It's time. Let's jump in. Uh, Let's look at the Jewish mindset after the resurrection of Jesus. And we are looking at Luke chapter 24. Yeah. Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke, just an amazing way as we look at 24 to finish his gospel. And it was obviously right after the resurrection of Yeshua, Jesus from the dead. And it was a Sunday morning. And uh, we can recall the women went to the tomb and the tomb was empty. And angel appeared to them and said, he's not here. He's not dead. Don't you remember what he told you? You know, we're kind of paraphrasing. And uh, then, of course, they ran to tell the others, and Peter came, and the rest of the people came, and they found the tomb was empty. Yeah. And so we see there in uh, verse 13, it says, that very day, two of them, they were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about 
all these things that had happened. It was kind of an eventful week. Mm -hmm. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk and are sad? They're sad. Yeah, they're sad. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. But they, they got the report that the tomb was empty. But the ones who went to the tomb didn't see him, didn't see Jesus. And so they, they don't understand uh, he's not there anymore. He's resurrected. The tomb is empty, but they haven't gotten past. He's dead. It, this is not totally uncommon, right? There were a lot of people that were crucified that day. A lot of people were crucified. It happened all the time. Oh, right? gosh. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the, there was a Roman chronicler named Dio Cassius who uh, wrote at one point that uh, there were they crucified so many people that there were trees wanting for crosses. They used up the trees, the forests making crosses, uh, you know, and so the argument went uh, that, well, he was just another man crucified. You know, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. He was just another one. You didn't, you didn't have to do anything much to be crucified. All you had to do was something that the Romans didn't like, and there you were. Yeah. Now, there's also something unique about Yeshua or Jesus's burial. No one ever had the honor of having two Roman soldiers standing by his tomb, making sure nothing strange was happening, right? There's a lot of Hullabaloo. There's a lot of uproar that's taking place about his death. And even that in itself is amazing. But in addition to that, he's the only dead person that was escorted while he was dead by two armed guards. You don't have armed guards taking you to your tomb. You know, they're, they're there at a sealed tomb. This tomb is sealed and the guards were there to make sure that there's no monkey business that takes place, uh, that nobody would come and steal the body. So it's sealed off, and there's no room for any surprises. It's sealed by the Roman government, and that stone had to weigh about a ton, I think. Yeah, well, I, I kind of remember this with four S's, right? There, there were soldiers, there was a stone, and there was a seal, and that was to keep it from being stolen. Stolen, huh? right? And it was on a Sunday. We could do this all day, actually. I can come up with yeah. lots of S's. <laughs> you have five S's. Yeah. So, you know, first thing Sunday morning, the stone is rolled back. <laughs> the first S is gone. The seal is broken. Now the second one is gone. The soldiers, soldiers are gone. gone. And, and the women, they go in, and now the body is gone. He's not there, and the angels appear. I, yeah. you, you can't blame them, right? The Jewish mindset, like, they... This whole resurrection, even though Jesus is talking about it, this is not a common, like all of the people who are crucified in the Roman Empire, people are not being resurrected every once in a while. So this would be something that they would expect. Yeah, no. In fact, nobody has ever been resurrected. Right. And so this is the story that the disciples who are on their way to Emmaus, this is what they're talking about. And they're actually talking about the greatest event ever in human history, the resurrection of Yeshua. And this is a good thing, but they are... Sad, is what sad. Says. They, they don't really understand what has happened. And, you know, this is, this is part of what the Jewish mindset is that we're dealing with here in this particular period of time in the first century when the Messiah was here bodily with us and he dies and he, he rises from the dead. And so Yeshua is suddenly, as they're walking along next to them, it's kind of like he just appears out of nowhere. And as they're walking on the road to Emmaus and he's asking them, you know, the humor of God here is, so why are you sad? 
Right. You know, right. what's up, guys? Why are you so sad? And one of them, whose name is Cleopas, uh, answers in verse 18 and says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And you have not known the things which happened there in these days? Yeah. You know, what are the things that happened? Uh, it took place during a major Jewish festival uh, so Jerusalem was packed. It was filled probably more than a million people there in Jerusalem at that time because they're there for an appointed feast day. Uh, a pilgrimage feast, right? Three pilgrimage times a feast. year they, they need to go to Jerusalem. They had Three times a year, and, then, and this was one time during Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They're kind of lumped together. And so the people you know, who were there would hear and know that something amazing took place. And here, this... Uh, person, they don't even know it's Yeshua yet, shows up next to them and, uh, hey guys, what are you so sad about? Right. And so verse 19, says, are you the only one? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? We are talking about the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. And then they, they have this turn right here, but we... We're hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Yeah. And right there, you have this shift of while Jesus is on earth in his ministry before the crucifixion and resurrection, we were hoping he was going to redeem Israel. But right yeah. now, after the resurrection, we're sad because yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's it's amazing because uh, they are hoping for it in the Jewish mindset. I mean, their eschatology, they had a sense, an idea, and they weren't far off of what the Messiah would do when he actually came, setting up the kingdom, uh, doing off with the enemies of God and of Israel. But they're sad because they say that we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were and, hoping. Yeah, we were, we were. It's in the past tense. Right. You know, their hopes are gone. He's not the one, obviously. He didn't deliver. We're still, you know, under the Romans. And you see, they, they had their whole perception of the Messiah wrong. And so that's why they're sad. And you can get that, right? Like there's, there's something about if you are anticipating, you're hoping for something, whether that's a big pay raise, whether that is uh, maybe you're pregnant, not not you personally, but you know, yeah, maybe thank there's you a female much. <laughs> listening to us, but you, you put all of your hope in something and then it comes out to fall short and that thing does not happen that you were hoping for. It's, it's, I don't know if sad is even the best word. This is, I mean, we are, what are we going to do with our they life had now? Expectation. And Unmet. there was even that expectation, you know, if you go back to Matthew 24 in the beginning of the Olivet Discourse, they're asking Jesus, you know, when are these things going to happen right. and what is going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Right. And, you know, the sign of your coming is that sense, not the second coming, uh, but a perusia. When are you going to ascend your throne and take your rightful place sitting on the throne of your father, David? That's what they're talking about. And that's the expectation. And they say, we were hoping, and indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And so it says, if you, if you go further, yes, and when certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, they astonished us. And when they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Then certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but him they did not see. You know, their answers reveal what they did hope and believe. And, uh, you know, Arnold Fruchtenbaum in his book, Yeshua, uh, four-volume series, he shed some light on this, which is really interesting. Because, uh, first of all, they believed that Yeshua was a prophet of God who received direct revelation from God. Luke 24, first part of verse 19 and they believed he was authenticated by his words and his works. Uh, he not only proclaimed that he was the Messiah, but he authenticated what he said. And third, they believed he was tried and condemned and crucified by the religious leaders in verse 20. And they believed he was the redeemer of Israel. You know, he said, but we had hoped that it was he who would redeem Israel. But the events that took place that they are recounting here seem to discredit their belief. And then they pointed out there's one thing that they did not believe. They did not believe the women's report that they had seen angels who declared that Yeshua was alive. They said, and certain of them that were with us, they went to the tomb, Peter and John, and they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. See, the remarkable thing is that these two disciples are actually not only talking about his death, they are talking about his resurrection. He's gone. Yeah, he's but they alive. don't realize it. Right. But he, he's alive and they are sad. And then Jesus steps in and he says, oh, foolish ones. <laughs> yeah. And slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken of. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Then, beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures. Yeah, that is amazing. It says in all the scriptures. I mean, he went back to Genesis, uh, the entire Torah from Genesis to Deuteronomy and the prophets, the major prophets, the minor prophets, the writings, and uh, he gives them an exposition of all of the biblical prophecies pertaining to the Messiah's first coming. That's what we're talking about here is his first coming initially. And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he interprets to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. Yeah, all of those things that they didn't understand about the Messiah's first coming were actually the evidence of it. If they would have had a better understanding of Messianic prophecies of the Hebrew scriptures, then these things wouldn't be a surprise yeah. for them, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's an important point that all of the things that they're looking at negatively are those things that actually were the evidence of the fact that he was the Messiah and he did what the scripture said he was going to do. He was going to suffer and die first as the Lamb of God. And then beginning with Genesis 1, all the way through the Old Testament scriptures, he's, he keeps saying, this is me, and this is me, and this is me. And you have in verses 44 to 46, he says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Yeah, and we kind of jumped when we went to verse 44. He's with the 11 now. He's with the disciples, the two on the road to Emmaus. They broke bread with him earlier, and their eyes were opened, and they finally, wow, they understand he is the Messiah. And now he's with the 11, and all of this takes place. You know, I would have loved to have some notes on exactly what he said. But, you know, actually, we do have the notes, and it's in the entire Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. All right, but that's a long time. It wouldn't be great to just actually have his um, little, his, his, not that he needed notes or anything, but like, just give me that outline Yeah, real just quick. an outline, you know. I don't even need a PowerPoint. Just I, give me the outline. I bet you Cleopas and the other guy, they maybe started like a little ministry, you know, after that. They're all, hey, uh, we, we got, we're going to call it Emmaus Road Ministries. Well, and, you know, an interesting thing about Cleopas, he was probably the one who took over the leadership of the church in Jerusalem after James was put to death for his faith. There, there are some indications that uh, he was probably the one. So here, that's probably why he's the one mentioned and not the other one. But it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, Cleopas probably took over uh, that leadership and I'm sure expounded everything that he learned in that short time. And so you have a sense of what the Jewish mindset is evolving to Uh, right after the resurrection. You know, it's not as if uh, the Lord rose from the dead and that solved everything. Uh, It didn't. He had to go back and do some teaching with them. Yeah, and really for the next 40 days, he is appearing. He, You know, and we have this in 1 Corinthians 13, where he's appearing over 40 days to more than 500 people. And Paul even says, and he even appeared to me. And so in this, he is fulfilling scripture um, and really fulfilling everything that was said to be for the Messiah in his first coming. Yeah. Yeah. To come as the suffering servant. Yeah. But not the whole thing. Yeah. No, not, not the whole thing, not the whole thing yet. Well, the whole thing, as far as the first coming, you know, I mean, even, you know, how, how do you do something like get these guys from, uh, you know, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, you know, what in the world would happen to get them there, they're so far away. And so you have uh, Caesar Augustus give out an edict that a census is being taken. And what do you know? Joseph Joseph and Mary Mary have to saddle up the donkey and uh, head to Bethlehem Ephratah because that's exactly where Micah said the Messiah would be born. Well, everything had to be fulfilled, not part. And Jesus says, it's not just in the law of Moses, it's in the prophets and in the Psalms. It is all concerning me. I am the hope of Israel. I am the Messiah of Israel. It has been written and foretold. It's all over your scriptures. We have uh, kind of a moving forward here, I think, of a Jewish understanding of the Messiah who came, who died, and has now risen from the dead. And he has to explain a lot of things to them, but it's still in a very Jewish context, their understanding. I mean, their understanding is it's for them, it's for Israel, it's the Messiah who came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, you know, it, it makes us uh, wonder where in the world do the Gentiles ever figure into this? Can well, they even get saved? Right. And we'll, we'll get into that. And that, those are the questions, right? Because today, if uh, people meet us, 
and I get this all the time. I'm sure you get this all the time. They'll say, oh, you're Jewish, but uh, you did a Passover Seder at a church. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the question is, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you must be Jews for Jesus. And that's what, you know, people, Yeah. that's that's the one association that they got. And even that's a little bit confusing. How can you be yeah. Jewish and believe in Jesus to be saved? But the question back then was, how could you be Gentile and be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And, and we'll for sure get into that in a, in a couple more episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming up. Yeah. So what is to come next time we gather together is that we're actually going to be hitting uh, Acts chapter two. We're going to be hitting uh, really the Jewish roots of the early church. And that moment that takes place there on uh, in, in Jerusalem and the southern steps uh, of Jerusalem uh, is a very Jewish moment with a very Jewish people, uh, the followers and the disciples, the apostles of Jesus, and uh, something unique is taking place there. And we want to tie that 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 second act story uh, and even bring back some of its first act roots. Yeah, yeah. so we, we are sort of on a pilgrimage ourselves uh, moving from uh, having the resurrected Messiah settling in the Jewish minds who he is and the fact that he has risen from the dead, he has conquered death, but now we're going to move forward uh, into an age in which we are now living, and we, we want to see what is happening as we're migrating toward the next feast, which is the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, or what uh, is probably more popularly known as Pentecost. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for listening. That is it for this episode of the Jewish Road Podcast. We will be back and uh, trying to be pretty consistent about releasing these uh, every week so you'll be able to jump in. Uh, but we encourage you to go to our website and you can go to thejewishroad.com. And when you go there, I want you to do one of two things. Uh, at the very top, there is a, a tab there that says speaking. And uh, we not just speak, we, we, we talk all the time. I mean, nonstop, right? Yeah. Um, you you actually don't even need somebody with you to talk. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you know, I've said that before, you know, sometimes you have to have an intelligent conversation so you talk to yourself. Right. So that happens constantly. But if you actually want him to come and talk to you, uh, that's very possible. And I can do that. Or even both of us. Um, but we, uh, we love to talk about these things. And so you go to the speaking tab on there and you can find out a little bit more about us and some of the things that we like talking about. And uh, we can arrange that. And the other thing that we want you to know is that this is a ministry. We are 501c3 that is run on donations. And when people donate, it enables us to do things, to take things to the next level. And so we want to encourage you to jump on there and to support the ministry. And that allows us to get out there. It allows us to do more production for more videos and more courses. And we have some of those things in the works coming up for this summer. But engage, uh, ask questions, donate, and uh, be involved. And so we're very thankful for each and every one of you who are part of that. Yep, that's right. All right. So until next time, uh, we look forward to seeing you. Actually, we never see you, but we look forward to talking with you and at you uh, the next time we get together. So until next time. Yes. We say shalom, shalom, Yerushalayim. Good job. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. Shalom.